Welcome to Fresh from the Field Fridays by the Produce Industry Podcast, your weekly download on supply trends, category updates, brand awareness, and what's hot in the market. Join us each week from San Francisco Bay, California, as we cover all aspects of the produce supply chain industry. Ladies and gentlemen, here's your host, Dan, the Produce Man. Well, hello, everyone, and welcome to Fresh from the Field Fridays on this lovely, lovely first Friday of March 2023. I'm Dan, the Produce Man, and today's Fresh from the Field Fridays is brought to us by the Produce Industry Podcast and sponsored by Buck Naked Onions, Equifruit, the only banana you should buy, Dole Fruit Company, and Sunrays, the snack with impact. And speaking of Sunrays, the snack with impact, <laughs> joining me today is John Papp from Jack Vandenberg and Sunrays. John, welcome to Fresh from the Field Fridays. Thanks, Dan. It's uh, exciting to be here. It is exciting, isn't it? It's, we've got all kinds of groovy things in the stores under the Sunrays label. I was munching on some black seedless grapes. i got to go back and get some more of those. I love those black seedless grapes. And Sunrays, why don't we talk about Sunrays? Because this is part of, or do we start with Jack Vandenberg and his trip from the Netherlands to the United States back in the old days and starting this particular company here? Yeah, I can give a very quick... Uh rundown of that history. So basically, Jack Vandenberg uh, started his wholesale business in the Netherlands back in the early 1900s, downstairs from his home. And fast forward to 1930s, he moved the family to Rotterdam, which was basically the the area where uh, fresh fruit and trade was booming. Um, And then World War II broke out, Uh, family migrated here to the U.S., yeah. Oh wait, 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 John. Yeah. Let's step back a, a quick minute. There's, there's something you left out. I was reading about that he actually would go into the street and auction off his fruit, apples, and pears that he was growing to folks. I mean, that's a smart businessman right there. Yeah, it's all under one roof, right? Uh, it doesn't get much <laughs> easier than that. See, look, we're all working from home today. He, he you know, back then. <laughs> That's what people are already on top of it, you know? Well, you're right. People were on top of it. Hey, remote work, just go out right out in front of your house and see what you can sell. But he was quite a businessman and a grower so or a produce man. So anyway, please continue with uh, where I rudely interrupted you. <laughs> yeah, so we left off. So he, he, they family migrated to the U.S. Uh, during World War II and picked off basically with uh, the business on stateside. So they were doing um, imports and exports. And as time went on, you know, Chile started to become, enter the scene in the 50s. We were the Vandenberg Company was actually one of the first companies to import product from Chile into the U.S., which uh, if, if your listeners don't realize, is, you know, has become obviously one of the largest source countries of imported fresh produce over the years. And the company continued to expand and grow um, amongst retail and wholesalers. And today we we import, we no longer export, we just import uh, pretty much from every continent across the world, a whole line of different fresh produce commodities. So that's a very abridged 
abridged version of our uh, company history. So right now in the stores are grapes out of Chile. And Chile is one of the most cleanest growing regions in the world, uh, from what I've read over the years. Very, very clean because you've got the, the, the mountains on each side and the coast and the whole bit. And there's a lot of pests here. We're in California, or I'm in California. You're in New York, right? Right, right. Okay. But there's a lot of pests here in California that don't exist in Chile. But these grapes, the sun-raised grapes, the sun-raised label, I mean, the sun-raised, it's not just grapes, it's mandarins. What else do we pack under sun-raised? Sun Today, those, those are the only commodities. We've been very intentional about what we pack in the sun-raised brand. You know, mandarins we, we started with in 2017, I believe now, and grapes only entered the scene in 20. 2021. So there's a lot of background as to why we're angling certain products into the Sunrise brand. Um, obviously, we want to be fam family centric in terms of the actual product itself. So grapes, mandarins, obviously, are, are pretty family friendly uh, fruits and veg that people are used to and understand and incorporate into their daily diets. And then of course is the background of the, what, what goes behind the Sunrise label. So a lot of it has to do with sustainability, social impact, environmental impact, and that whole dimension of what the brand carries in, in addition to the fruit itself. That's why we say the snack with impact. That's for sure. <laughs> no one says it better. <laughs> so what variety of mandarins are you packing? Are you pack several varieties into these bags? And obviously, as the different varieties come in and out of season, correct? Are you using, uh, what, uh, what are they now? Tangos or Mercots or uh, uh, says Sumas right now? Clementines? What are you, what are you actually, what varieties are actually in the Sunrays bags? No, good question. So as you touched on, you know, we're, we're sourcing from different parts of the world at different times of the year. So today, March 3rd, we are pretty much in the middle of the Moroccan import season. And the Moroccan uh, varietals right now is mostly, I would say, Nadercots. Nadercot variety. Nadercot. Yes. And, but we do pack as, you know, those list of varieties you named off. So once we start shifting into the summer season, we're going to naturally shift into the next hemisphere, which would be Chile, Peru, Uruguay, South Africa. And there you start off uh, with the Clemenulis, Satsuma, we don't do too many Satsumas, uh, but Clemenulis, uh, you got Tangos, you got Mer uh, Mercots. Now I'm blanking on some other ones, but there are. But, well, you're, but these are you're, these are actually coming in during the off season, though, uh, mostly. So when our citrus season is pretty much wrapped up, you're bringing in citrus items so that we have them year round. Kind of like right now, you can get stone fruit out of Chile, peaches, nectarines, plums, maybe some pluots, even a lot of cherries this year. Oh, yes. And so this works the other way around so that in the summertime, you're getting uh, these varietals of citrus that we wouldn't normally have to add to the summer mix of your fresh produce, uh, your fresh fruit lineup. But what is the reason for Moroccan imports now during this time of the year? I mean, we have so much California fruit. I know Florida's crop is short, but what would be the reason for bringing in Moroccan fruit during this time of the year? Uh, we used to bring in clementines from Spain years ago before we started growing them in California. So this nadir cut variety of citrus is this is a tangerine. First of all, what is it? And secondly, why? Why are we bringing in from uh, Morocco at this point? I, I figured that question would come. <laughs> Especially with you being in California, say, hey, why have we got all this fruit here? No, it's a very good question. Um, so naturally, not all the fruit uh, that is grown in California stays 
in California, obviously, or the United States for that matter. You know, there is a percentage of that crop that does get exported outside the United States. Uh, so there's an element of that. The second element, so to move that product, the United States is a very large country, obviously, large in terms of land mass. Uh, so to move that fruit from California to where I am in New York, it actually costs a lot of money. Truck rates have rocketed. Ooh, boy, uh, boy, have they. Over the last three years, yes. I think at one point, I mean, I'm not, I haven't kept an eye on it as of late, but I know like a year ago or something, at least it was something like seven or $8,000 for a truck going from West to East. Man. And you know, last time, last time I bought a load, just a truckload of fruit. The broker was making 25 cents per package. Okay. That's that's the last time I bought a, a load of, oh, yeah. of fruit. Now, that and and today they're probably making you know, they're making more, but are they even making that amount or are they just just the costs are so enormous, the fuel, the labor and everything else associated with it at this point? Well, I think with the trucks, there was new regulations that came into place too, where they of course sleep, regulations you know, all the time. Hours, you know, got it. You got to let them sleep. You don't want uh, sleepy drivers on the road. No, we sure don't. So that obviously had an element. And then there were some other. Uh, again, I'm not a trucker, so I don't. I can't tell you all the reasons. But it's not to line their pockets that much. I know it's there are right. things right. that caused this to happen. But yeah, so when you have these extra costs that go up, you know, I remember seeing California three pound bag of clementines in my store for like twelve ninety nine. You know, that's absurd. <laughs> it's absurd. So Wow. Question, you bring in Moroccan fruit. So Morocco, obviously, yes, it's over an ocean, but actually, in many cases, believe it or not, taking up 20 pallets of space, which is roughly what you get in a truck, is actually cheaper on an ocean carrier than on a truck. And then, of course, cost structure out of Morocco, so labor's a different cost, standard of living, or cost of living, I should say, is at a different uh, level in Morocco. So those all work to benefit for having a more competitive price on the East Coast, uh, for products. So retailers can market and retail uh, mandarins at a more attractive price than they can California. Wow. That is a mind blower, that's for sure. So we won't see Nader cuts here on the on the West Coast. I want to try a Nader cut, so I'm gonna I'm gonna have to figure that one out. So let's move back to the summertime when you have the other citrus varieties coming in. Those are mainly on the East Coast as well, because I know here we get citrus from South Africa, we get it from uh, Australia. I used to advertise Australian citrus yeah, on my, yeah. my radio show. In Chile and maybe Argentina. I'm not quite sure. Argentina. Uh, so the summer citrus program that you import to the United States, is that mainly on the East Coast too, or will we see some? So those are East and West, West, actually. Um, okay. Yeah, we were, were, were bringing, and this is, you know, not just Vandenberg, but industry-wise, imports are coming in on each coast uh, from the Southern Hemisphere that time of the year. And grapes right now. Grapes, 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 sunrays, grapes. Now, to get to be able to be a sunray item, you have to make a big impact. You do. Right? You do. And, and you mentioned those impacts earlier, and I never even connected that. Folks, we're with John Papp, Jack Vandenberg, and sunrays. We're going to take a quick break, and we'll be back right after this. Thank you. 
Welcome to Equifruit, an importer and marketer of fresh bananas. Equifruit is committed to 100% fair trade, which means no crummy wages, super safe working conditions, and nothing but love for the ladies. Driving innovation through impossible to ignore merchandising, Equifruit is the only banana you should buy. Everyone, we have an APP out on a buck naked onion. This onion is produced by Owyhee Produce, so we have to be on the lookout. Whether you're a retailer, food service distributor, or a wholesaler, this onion is whole, it's hearted, and it's buck naked, everyone. To all you civilians out there, please, let's catch this buck naked onion. All right, folks, welcome back. Dan the Produce Man here, along with John Papp from Jack Vandenberg. Sunrays, a snack with impact. And, John, we were talking about, uh, during the break, we were talking about grapes and varieties. And, yes, you know I'm a variety fanatic, and maybe it's just me that likes to know that, and the general public doesn't give a rip or doesn't care or gets confused. What is the reason why you don't put varietals on the packaging? Is there too many of them, or what is the reason? I know I get it. Red, green, black. Easy, right? No, it's a great question. It's a question, obviously, that we get uh, many a time. Oh, then I'm not the only one. No, you're not. You're not. <laughs> okay, good. It's, there's a there's a good percentage. So yeah, I mean, let's take the fifty thousand foot view here. I mean, there's ten thousand varieties in the world of purely grapes. Okay, we're just talking about all kinds of grapes. Ten thousand varieties. Now, of those ten thousand, cultivated. Cultivate or, well, or cult, cultivated so and wild? I or? don't know if it's. I, I would imagine it's both. I would combine. Okay. Now, of that ten thousand varietals that exist, only I think I think the number is about thirty three make up half of what's actually you know you know sold and marketed, whether it be in table grape or vine or wine form. So you can see we're really only focused on a very small amount. Now, that said. There are obviously a lot of new varietals coming out. It seems like almost every proprietor varieties, right? Proprietor right, varieties. proprietor varieties, which you know, it seems like every other day there's a new one coming out. Yeah, <laughs> can't keep up with it anymore. And, we used to get Thompson seedless, right. Flame seedless, you know, uh, but now it, everybody's got their own. Yeah, and look, I mean, the, the objective, and again, uh, you know, I should stress that these varietals are not, you know, GM, genetically modified, created varietals. These are all hand pollinated. Uh, within labs. So they're just literally these, I mean, not literally, but if you can imagine a scientist in a lab, just <laughs> matching two pieces of vine <laughs> back and forth, back and forth, and trying to find the perfect match. That's basically what's going on. Um, that's how cotton candy was developed. Um, they, really? That wasn't something that just happened in the wild. So there was a guy in the lab just kept crossing different things. Eventually he found the match that made that that flavor. And it's not just about flavor. It's about texture you know the crunch and the color and the size and all these different things so going back to why we don't put on our label is really because so you do have a lot out there today and they're just growing so you know the human mind can only take in you know we all know how busy we are all with general life to start throwing onto the <laughs> consumer you know 50 100 different varieties of grapes and it's not that it's not interesting to them is if they go into a store and they say, Oh, you know, I really love this sweet globe grape. You know, I'm going to go get it next week. And they come into the store and it's no longer there. And now there's, right, there's an variety, ivory grape. Sure. They're going to be like, uh, you know, where's that grape that I really liked? So 
The issue is there's a constant rotation of varietals, of course, as well, because depending on the region and country it comes from, you know, there's harvest periods. So it's not like a sweet globe or whatever other variety is just nonstop harvesting throughout a year. So what we felt, and not to mention also, based on the region that that varietal is grown, you can have different flavor experiences, not drastically, but there could be subtle differences. Sure. Because again, Absolutely. soils, waters, yeah. climactic uh, uh, environments all affect the end result of the eating experience of that grape. So what we felt as an importer uh, that has an established network and partnerships with various growers around the world in different countries, we said, okay, no, it's our responsibility to give the consumer the best green, red, or black grape for that specific time period, for that specific color grape. Make sure it's always consistent in terms of you know, crunch, sweetness, uh, just general eating experience. We take the legwork out of the consumer stressing about, oh God, I need to find this grape because I know I had a perfect experience with last time. We say, okay, when you buy sun-raised grapes, whether it's green, red, or black, you're going to have a consistent high quality eating experience each time you find a sun-raised grape. Well, that makes perfect sense. And also you don't want to be handling millions and millions and millions and millions of different bags that you have to print up and with all the different varieties and one variety goes south now you're stuck with all the bags and what are you going to do so that that's another aspect too that's no that's manufacturing very... those bags is are not is not cheap no that's a very good point I, that's i'm glad you brought that up too because the growers again which are the ones that have to handle all these SKUs and all these different packaging for them it's a complete utter nightmare not only on the, from a cost standpoint of course but logistically to have to shuffle through all these different bags <laughs> if you're growing multiple varieties <laughs> right. it's a nightmare and it just increases of course chance of you know things getting mispackaged and if you mispackage something that's mislabeling if you mislabel that's Good a, boy. That's a legal cool. uh, situation so again it's taking pain out of a lot of different things while still delivering a very positive, high quality experience for the end consumer and result back to uh, the grower. All right, folks. So, so you get that, right? Uh, okay. Red, green, uh, black on the grapes and the varieties, uh, all that's been taken care of. It's all been bred for the best eating experience, as John said. And so you'll just be able to trust the name, the label, the brand, when you go into the store and, and, and realize, okay, this might not be the same variety of black grape or green grape that I had a week or two ago, but it's a sun rays and it's going to be good. Yeah, basically. And look, you know, if you're a grape connoisseur, you'll probably be able to maybe taste the slight differences in certain uh, grapes, you know, whether it's in the red category, you might but, you know, the average, I mean, even I, I still have a hard time, maybe it's because I have a weak taste or something, but I have a hard time discerning the difference between certain varietals, unless it's a very specific flavor, like a cotton candy, you know, you know, if it's a cotton candy, but, you know, if you're sure. talking about a sweet celebration versus a Jack salute, you know, both red varieties, I can't tell the difference. Okay. So there's, there's newer varieties that everyone can grow or that maybe are licensed to different folks. And then there's proprietor varieties that no one else can grow because they're specific to whatever grower or label package brand. Look, the good old fashioned Thompson seedless grape at the end of the season when it's yellow mm -hmm. 
and packed with sugar and you bite into it and that sugar hits the back of your throat and you can't talk for a few minutes. I mean, there's that's there's nothing like that, right? Uh, and, exactly, exactly. We, sure. we still pack Thompson seedless too. You know, there is, there are still plenty of good quality Thompson seedless out there. You know, people are so easily to dismiss Thompson just because you have these newer varieties, which yes, in their own accord are very good varieties, but there are still growers packing very high quality Thompsons that can compete with the new varietals. You know, it's funny, years ago we used to, grapes would come in these, what we call Los Angeles lugs, and they came loose, and you had to pull them out of the box a certain way because they were packed in there nice and tight. You had to grab the right stem and put your hand underneath and pull it out, and that's how they were displayed in the stores too. And grapes would fall off. You would get what's called shatter. And uh, we, I, you know, we used to take those and put those in strawberry baskets, the loose grapes. But the produce department would be a mess. The poor courtesy clerks that would have to come by and spot mop all the time uh, and, and pick it up because you slip on a grape. So when they started packing them in bags, that was a relief to a lot of uh, not just the consumer but to the produce workers as well. We also used to get different varieties. We would get, of course, we get the Thompson. There wasn't a flame seedless yet. It, it, it finally came about, um, it, or, or it wasn't available yet. It was. I'm sure it was in action. Well, it was, because then we got them. The red grape that we got was, towards the end of the season, was the Emperor. It was a, a Thompson-shaped grape, and it had seeds in it, and that lasted all the way up until about Christmas time in storage. And then you would get tokays and rye beers and green muscats, italias of that nature. You would get these different varieties because the seedless grape season was, you know, it, it was like, well, it was like stone fruit or citrus varieties, different varieties at different times. And then there were no grapes out of Chile. There was nothing being imported in during the winter. So now there's generations of people that have grown up with grapes year-round, not realizing that, hey, 30, 35, 40 years ago, well, okay, maybe that is a long time ago. Uh, <laughs> we we didn't have that, you know? It's the same with the avocados, you know? You didn't have hats coming in during the winter. You had to do the green skin varieties, and then you had to wait for the hat season to start up again. So this type of uh, importing that gives us all these cool varieties all year long, it's a... It's fantastic. I mean, it really is. We It has taken the produce departments in the stores from 100 items to 300, 400, 500 items, throw in the packaged uh, process stuff, too, and you add even more items. So it's a great convenience. Yeah, it's a, it's a gift, really. I mean, you have more, much more exposure to, to year-round produce. I mean, I would still like to see more diversity, uh, personally, in terms of just commodity options because i was actually reading an article today again that you know there's still the amount of produce that we actually have access to in our grocery stores is actually quite limited in terms of percentage of the the varietals and the variety in general of what's out there you know we're you know take the banana there's only one variety of banana now that's a whole story in of itself but the same thing happens like i touched on with grapes you know there's x amount of varietals of grapes that we focus on and it's not so much that the other ones are bad, it's just they're more difficult maybe. Uh, they don't meet certain specs that 
retailers want to have in terms of sizing or whatever it might be. Yeah, or they break down too fast. Right. They don't. They can't ship well, and right. there are reasons why. Sure. And that's why I'm a huge fan of independent grocers in the farmers markets because you're going to find those more variety at, at those. I mean, we did a, 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 a folks. If you remember last week, we did the interview with Scott and Craig from Buck Brand Citrus with all those oddball citrus varieties. Well, those and you heard them say those aren't large groves; those are very small groves, and you're not going to find them in the giant chains you're gonna you know, there's a few that you'll find maybe some of the you know the standard navels and things or the heirlooms that they do but you're not gonna find all, all these oddball varieties and a lot of it's uh, a labor of love as well from for some of these small growers and, and nothing against the chains i go to chains all the time mm-hmm. but you're gonna find more variety in the smaller chains smaller independents and at the farmers markets yeah, for sure. Which is great because there's enough for everybody, right? <laughs> there's definitely no shortage, and that's for that's a certainty. Well, the Sunrays label John can be found in all kinds of stores. Uh, I don't, you know, you can go on the website and look at it. Sunrays.com is that what it is? Uh, sunraysfruits.com. Uh-huh. Yes. Sunraysfruits.com, and see all the stores where you can find these magnificent Sunrays fruits from Jack Vandenberg. And enjoy them. That's all I can say. John, thanks for joining us today on Fresh from the Field Fridays. Thanks, Dan. Hey, folks, be sure to tune into the Produce Industry Podcast every Monday with Patrick Kelly, as well as the Produce Industry Show on YouTube. And hey, the Produce Industry app. You got to have that. Download that now on your smartphone, on your tablet, on your watch anything else. Heck, if you can download apps on your washing machine, put it on there too. It's a great resource. So check that out. And don't forget to check out my YouTube and Rumble channels called Dan the Produce Man. And all my social media can be found at DanTheProduceMan.com. Until next week, this is Dan the Produce Man reminding you that it's always best when you get it fresh. You've been listening to Fresh from the Field Fridays with Dan, the Produce Man. Be sure to subscribe on iTunes or Anchor to get fresh weekly episodes. For more, please follow us on Instagram and Facebook at the Produce Industry Podcast and at Dan, the Produce Man. Until next time, see you in the fields or on the horizon. Produce Industry Podcast.